Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian Dwyer, joined in the studio by Pastor Ross Anderson. Ross, today we have Pastor John Swan joining us today. John, thanks for your work on today's topic because we're in the Jesus way number four. So today we're going to talk about the fourth antithesis of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Real quick, Ross, what were the antitheses, the six antitheses of Jesus? Right. Six times Jesus says, you heard that it was said, and he's referring back to the Old Testament law and, and often not just the law itself, but how it's being interpreted and applied by the Jewish culture at the time. He says, you heard that it was said, but I say to you. Six times he said that. We talked talked about murder and anger. We've talked about uh, lust and adultery. We've talked about um, a divorce and marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the fourth one now. So he's saying, look, I have, Jesus is asserting that his own authority over even the Old Testament law as, as the Son of God, and certainly over the way that Judaism was interpreting and understanding this, the law, because in fulfilling the law, he's going to drive us toward its true intent and its ultimate uh, sense of meaning. Yeah, and so today we're in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 33. And before I even read the passage for today, and we do our best at interpreting it, because this one, I'll admit, this one's a harder one for me. I've, we've, I think we've had to do a lot more research on this one, trying to really understand what Jesus was getting at here, because Jesus is going to talk about breaking vows and making vows and all that kind of stuff. So I think a, a good way to warm up is to start with this question. Guys, when's the last time somebody broke a promise to you? Maybe not when's the last time, but what's a time in your life where somebody broke a promise and it really it just devastated you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think even a better question would be, when was the first time <laughs> someone broke yeah. a promise to you? Because I bet you, our listeners, if you think back, you can probably remember that first time in your life when a parent, a relative, uh, a friend on the playground, someone said something to you that you 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 took it, you took that at them at their word, and then they broke the promise and it marked your timeline. And I've got this kind of a silly example, but it's one of those. And I'm I'm 50 years old, and I still remember this. I was a little guy. I loved I loved to fish. My dad would take me fishing, I, and we had a neighbor that was into fishing too, and. Um, uh, he was, uh, they had a son and he, he was a quite, quite a bit older, um, in, in his twenties or something. And this, this young man promised me a brand new Plano tackle box. Okay. For you fishermen, you guys all know what this is. And this was one with all the compartments in it and everything it was really cool. And, um, I was, I believed him. I believe he was going to bring me this tackle box and every day, in fact, I'm still waiting Okay, <laughs> fifty years. I'm still old. waiting for this tackle box, and every day I'd I'd be outside. I'd make I'd make it purposeful. I kind of began to you know, like uh, pay attention when you get home from work. I thought, oh, maybe today's going to be the day I get the tackle box. And so I then I then I'd like walk in front of his house, looking very sad, you know, hoping that maybe <laughs> this would this would like kindle this this uh, promise that he made in in him and bring some conviction and he'd give me it. But I never got it, and that that's something I, I always remember. And I always thought of him differently from that point forward. Mm. And so, yeah, I just, uh, you know, thinking about how um, the, the promises that people made you, the, the, when people give you their word around something, how that affects you, how that brings some wounds, some scar tissue in your life, mm. and maybe how even in your faith journey um, that can affect how you, you begin to think about 
this God who never breaks his promises mm. mm-hmm. and how that can bring challenges uh, along that journey, I'm sure, yeah, for many yeah. people. Do you know where he lives? <laughs> you don't need to know where he lives. You just need to know his email address so you can send him this podcast. So yeah, he's probably yeah, yeah. listening right now. And he's right. you're going to just check your mail, John. Check yeah. your mail because I bet you're going to find that tackle box yeah. in there. His yeah. name was Babe Winkleman. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just okay. All right. Well, I had... Only fishermen uh, get that joke. But. Yeah, I had no idea. I'll just <laughs> okay. laugh along. So seven days ago from today... I had a I hired a contractor to uh, pour a patio, concrete patio. He calls me or text he didn't even call me, he texted me early that Monday morning and he said, "Oh, we decided we're not going to come today, see, you know, see you later. We're not going to take the job after all." Hmm. And so, okay, I've been scrambling ever since to try hmm. to figure out what to do, but you know, that was there's no relationship there, so I didn't I wasn't hurt by that or hmm. wounded by that. I was frustrated and angry but you know it wasn't a sense like he was devaluing me personally yeah but it was sad you know like okay i built a lot of plans around this this thing the guy didn't come through yeah it was inconvenient yeah for me i i honestly john you say that you say no the better question is when's the first time i'll have to give that some thought i honestly maybe this shows my poor memory or maybe this shows that i was raised in a i was blessed to be raised in a home with Mm -hmm. parents who who didn't take their words lightly mm. that when they said something they they came through on it which mm. i'm i'm sure a lot of listeners wish that were true in their own case but i i do it does call to mind when people have lied to me knowingly lied to me mm. which i think that as we're going to see i think that's an example of this where i took their words seriously and i found out they were manipulating me they were gaslighting me they were playing games with me right um, and I'm a, I'm a pretty naive person. I'm a, a pretty, I'm a kind of a simple guy. I take, I take people at their word. And I think sometimes that can come back to bite you when you do that. You know, I also, when I think about this topic, I think about the promise keepers movement. Were you guys involved at all in the promise? Keep- you ever go to any rallies guys? Yeah. I went to a couple of them back yeah. in the nineties. Were you, were you born by then? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember them going on, but I was never a part. Yeah. I went, I remember I went with my uh, in the 90s, I went with my with my brother and my dad to Washington D.C., and we were we were part of the the Million Man March for the Promise Keepers. And I honestly don't ever remember seeing so many w- men in one place at one time. It was really inspiring, and the whole idea behind it is to be a to be a man of your word, essentially, right? It's God's a man of His word, which is really what we're going to get to today. Mm-hmm. God is God takes His word seriously; He can be trusted. And so we as men should keep our promises. You know what's sad to me, though, is since the 90s, since the Promise Keepers movement, I don't know. We talked about this last time, Ross, on the Divorce Podcast. I don't know that the, the, the statistics for Christian men are really significantly different than the statistics for the world. And to me, that's one of the real practical ways where keeping your promise matters is, is the vow that you make before God and before all those people, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's get to the passage itself now that we've kind of warmed it up and people are starting to think about the promises that were made and broken to them. Matthew 5, starting at verse 33, it says this, Jesus says, You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But Jesus said, but I say, do not make any vows. So that's interesting. 
you've heard it said, don't break vows. And Jesus says, well, I say, don't even make vows. Don't say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And don't say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. See, this is where it gets confusing. And don't say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. And then it seems like Jesus is getting to the point here at the very end. Again, this is confusing for people. We had to study this for ourselves. We'll explain some of this. But he ends with this. He says, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. And so what what we're getting at, the first thing we want to make sure to explain here is that the Pharisees made a game out of vows and oaths. That, you know, let's let's understand the original context. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is, a lot of times he's speaking these things to sort of correct the understanding that the people had because of the teachings of the Pharisees and the religious leaders who didn't quite fully understand God's intent, the intent of the law in the first place. So it was the interpretation of the law that Jesus was calling into question, not the words themselves, not what was actually written down. It was what was being explained about it. So how was it that they were playing games playing sort of word games with this whole thing. Yeah. Well, think back when you were a kid on the on the playground, and Brian, maybe you never did this because of the great home you were raised Yeah, because I'm sure. a good person. Yes, yes, yes. And I agree, you are naive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> and you'd say, I swear to, right? Yeah. I swear to God. I swear to God. And that was your way of saying, I, I, really, I really mean this. This is true, right? And this, this is really the same sense that the, the Pharisees or the, the relig- religious rulers of the day would have been swearing to God, but they decided, look, uh, we can swear to something less than God, and then I don't have to be as truthful. It'd be kind of like saying, I swear to God, but then putting my fingers behind my back and crossing them, mm. right? So this is like the, like a, a loophole that they would use to basically uh, say that, you know get away with being uh, less than truthful. And not keeping their word. So, yeah. Here's an example of this from the Mishnah. Here's an example of their, again, this isn't scriptural, but this is their interpretation of, of, a, of a rule about oaths in the Old Testament that God gave. And they're, you know, I mean, to be, to be generous toward the Pharisees, at least I'm sure in some generations, they're just trying to, they're trying to do what we do. They're trying to understand what God's word has to say, and they're trying to apply it to their world. They're trying to apply. But sometimes we can get carried away with that, and sometimes we can miss the point. Here's a, here's a funny example that I, that I read from the Mishnah. If a man said, I swear that I will not eat this loaf. I swear that I will not eat it. I swear that I will not eat it. And he ate it? Then he's liable only on one count. So, so it's only strike one. It's not strike three. That's kind of an example of the kind of, the kind of teaching that the people would be getting in Jesus's day. And Jesus, of course, grew up Jewish. So Jesus reads this stuff. I can't even imagine from his point of view what this was like, that he's reading the interpretation of the truth from the Old Testament. He's reading it, and he's, I'm sure he's just shaking his head saying, these people don't know anything. These people have no <laughs> clue what, the, what this was really all about in the first place, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So what's really interesting to me, and this just came to me, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but Essentially, what the religious rulers are admitting is that they can't keep the law. So they need to come up with these loopholes mm. so that they can feel like they are keeping up, um, but based on their own standard that they've manipulated to, 
to you know give them an easier path to do it. Right, or or like a checklist yeah. that they can measure more concretely, maybe. You know? Right, right, and I, I mean, I think it's 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 the same for us, right? We we can't we can't do it, and the, this law wasn't intended uh, that they would look at it and go, "Wow, we we need a savior," but instead they were like, "No, we need a loophole. <laughs> we, we need a loophole." That's really good. I think it helps to to remember what the original intent of an oath or a vow was. It was to, you know, we use that, like you said, your illustration, John, you know, I swear to God, or you know, you heard different things. I swear in my mother's grave, or I swear by all that's holy, or cross my heart, hope to die, or whatever it might be, that, that I think when we use that, we're trying to convince other people that we're serious. Mm-hmm. But I think the, that we really are going to mean it. But I think the original intent of the oath in the Old Testament law, was to, was to bind myself under the authority of God, to say God is the one. When I say I swear to God, means my promise to you, it doesn't matter. It's my promise ultimately is to God, because God is my ultimate judge. He's the ultimate arbiter. He's the one who's going to hold me accountable. And so in that sense, the idea of an oath, not a bad thing, um, originally a bad thing to say, to make a vow, to say, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really take this seriously myself. I'm not just trying to convince you that I'm really telling the truth, but I'm going to really take this seriously myself, and so I'll bind myself, I'll bind my conscience to this higher force or higher power, ultimately, which is God. But, what that did, but again, the point you guys are making is really good, that, that you know, people found they are not able to do that, so they start looking for a loophole to start looking for a way to go, oh, I didn't really mean it. My fingers were crossed. Yeah. And, and what Jesus is saying when he says, don't swear to uh, heaven, uh, don't swear to earth, don't swear to Jerusalem, don't swear to the, by the hairs on your head, is he's saying, look, don't, you, you can't. You can't swear to a lesser authority. And uh, in fact, by doing so, you're committing a, a idolatry because you're, you're attributing this power that God only has to hold you accountable to this promise, to bring judgment upon you if you were to break this promise, you're attributing that to, instead of the creator, the creature. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, if you, if, if, you can't, if you can't do it at this level up here to God, then don't even do it at all. Just let your yes right. be your yes, your no be Okay, your no. so, uh, yeah. so this, this brings up a great question. So was Jesus saying here then that we shouldn't, because on the surface, this is what it seems like he's saying, that we shouldn't take vows. So right in the court of law, we say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. So that's literally, we're swearing to God mm-hmm. in the court of law. And there was a, there was a group of uh, Christians in the Reformation, the Anabaptists, I believe, who mm-hmm. refused to do this. They would not take an oath, and there are probably still some people today yeah, yeah. in our culture who won't take an oath because of this passage. What answer do we have for those people? Well, that, that doesn't really fully correctly understand the issue Jesus is dealing with or talking to. Um, so it's not, about, it's not so much about um, an oath, like an official ritual type of oath. Jesus, Jesus himself was interrogated. He was under in a court of law. Mm-hmm. Um, God himself in the, in the Old Testament takes an oath, he, and, he, and he, he swears by his own name because there's no ultimate higher authority right. than himself. Right. And he does that to ensure to us his, his integrity, to remind us of his faithfulness and integrity, not to, not to bind himself under a higher power or to try to convince us of something that's not true. And so ultimately, 
uh, Jesus is not saying, no, it's wrong to uh, swear to, t- to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He's saying, well, you know, ultimately, um, just tell the truth. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're required in a court or something like that to attest to that, that that's not a problem. There's no idolatry involved in that, um, and it, and it doesn't it doesn't you're not trying to get away with lying. Well, you might. You could take the oath in court mm. and still lie through your teeth, right? right. That's happened plenty of times. Um, but but that's that's not the same issue. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying he's ultimately he's saying, you're right because Jesus. Jesus didn't have a problem with Pilate basically interrogating him in this context, in the context of swearing under God. God himself swears by his own name. Paul, the Apostle Paul, swore to God on a couple different places right. in essence, right? He, mm-hmm. he said, I promise to God that I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So took a vow, yeah. Mm-hmm. It clearly, clearly Jesus isn't saying that you shouldn't ever take a vow. What, what the point of what he's getting at, what the, what the, what this principle is pointing forward to in the Jesus way is to take your words seriously and just be in the habit of telling the truth. Be a truth teller because everything you say as a Christian is under the flagship of the ultimate truth teller, the ultimate promise Mm -hmm. keeper, right? God himself. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. Yeah. And if we're all, if we're honest, we lying comes pretty natural to most of us, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's just this little lie or manipulation, Whatnot, yeah. I, I was brought under conviction, uh, and I think this uh, really has to do with just personal integrity in general, right? And so, uh, um, a few years back, um, if you guys can believe this, gasoline was about a buck uh, fifty a gallon. Mm, the good old and days. Yeah, yeah. This was between 2016 and 2020. Uh, figure it out. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I was uh, I was getting some gas, and I noticed the pump. They had it at a buck seventy nine a gallon, but the um, uh, on the pump. But the sign said a buck fifty nine a gallon. So I, I hastily ran into the you know into the into the gas station, told the guy, hey, you know you're short me twenty cents here. Um, can you f- fix it? And he did certainly. And I get out there, I start pumping, and I notice something's weird. I've got three or four gallons in there, and, and my bill, uh, the, the 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 tally is only at like ninety cents or something. I don't know. And so I noticed he 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 put 0.151 cents instead of 1.51 cents or whatever it was supposed to be, and I sat there and went, well, that's his mistake, and the Lord, <laughs> the Lord convicted me. And uh, the funny part of the story is I happened to be wearing a T-shirt that day that said Team Jesus on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I'm oh, I have to go in here now. I've now I've got to go in here and. and tell this guy that I basically cheated him, you know? And so I go in and say, hey, man, I'm so sorry. I noticed that I should have come in right away, but I pumped all, you know, 22 gallons in my in my van or whatever. And um, and, and and here, look at this. I'm wearing this shirt that says Team Jesus. And I said, I, I, so I can't, I can't, you know, do that to you because, yeah, I basically was cheating him, was was quick to deal with it when the, when it was, a, you know, in my favor, but when it, when it wasn't, um, or when it wasn't in my favor, but when it was, Boy, I wanted to be, you know, right there. So, you know, I just think we're all uh, in in different kind of ways put to this test, mm-hmm. and uh, it's important as Christians that we don't affect our, our witness in a negative way. Yeah, uh, 
by by not being honest. Well, and I love the I love the since you brought up math, I can I can add to that now because you wor- use the word integrity, mm. and integrity comes from the word for integer in mm. math, and in integers it's just a whole number, right? One, two, three, not one half or one third. Those aren't integers; those are fractions. And so integrity means you're just a one whole person. Mm. You're not you're not sort of like split into two different type, two different, you're this, you're half a person when you're out there in the world and you're half a person when you're in here, when you're at church, you're just the same person everywhere you are. You're, you're consistent everywhere you are. Right. And that's what God's calling us to. He says, he says, just be a truth teller. In fact, Jesus's brother, James says it in James chapter five, verse 12. He says, after five, four and a half chapters of of great pithy statements that James wants us to understand and live by. James says in chapter five, verse 12, most of all, my brothers and sisters never take an oath. So it's like he's repeating the words of Jesus, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else, just like what Jesus is saying in this antithesis. And he just says, just say a simple yes or no, so that you will not sin and be condemned. Mm. So we see that even James, so Jesus says it, don't take an oath. James says it, but again, what the heart behind what they're saying is take your words seriously because as a follower of Jesus, everything you, you don't have to swear to it mm-hmm. for it to right. count. Right. Every, everything that you say, God sees, God hears, no matter where you are. So have integrity wherever you are because if you're trying to be a half person in the world and the other half person at home, guess what? God's there everywhere. God's with you everywhere you are. So he's going to see you everywhere you are. So just be a truth teller. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That reminded me, I read about, uh, there was a sect of Judaism in the time of Jesus called the Essenes. And around that time, somebody commented about the Essenes that, you know, they didn't use oaths or anything like that. They had a saying that said, like, if a person has to use an oath, you already know he's not telling the truth. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so that's like, mm. just say, just tell the truth. Basically, that their ethic was, just tell the truth. Well, and that's true today, too, right? When, you, when I see someone who is just working really hard to try to convince me that they're not lying, I'm just honestly, I think they're lying. Mm. It calls me to question them, like, well, something's not right. Trying something hard. is not, they're trying pretty hard here. There's something that's just not right. And we probably all know people like that. That they say something, and you're like, eh, I don't know if I can really, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, it's right. like when you told me you shot a couple under par, and you've told me that like three or four times. I'm like, <laughs> Nobody's oh, ever eh, seen it, right? No. I don't know, Brian. <laughs> Look, or or how about the time that I that I said I got the hole in one? People are like, sure you did, sure you got a hole in one. Playing it, by yourself that day. It was I was by myself, and I and it was after a 25 hour uh, car ride. So I possibly could have hallucinated it, but I'm still sticking. I'm still, I swear to God, it happened, right? Uh, you know, what we're trying to do here is we're trying, maybe we should share some other examples of where where this comes up in life when we're trying to sort of get away with something, right? Maybe we're, tr- we're trying to manipulate a situation. We're, we're telling a half truth. We're gaslighting somebody, to use a more modern term. Right. Anytime we're we're sort of being, we're playing game, kind of like the Pharisees. We're playing games with our words, instead of just be plain truth tellers. Well, I think one of the ways that I find, because I'm a conflict avoider, 
So one of the things I find you know, coming into, into my personality and my practices is I don't just want to tell per a person the whole truth. I want to like break it to them, you know, maybe with a partial truth so that I don't have to get the blowback. So, um, so that's, that's a loophole in a sense, because mm. I don't like what's going to happen if I tell the whole truth, there'll be a conflict. So I'll just kind of like, mm, just, just tell the part of it that sounds better. Mm. And, and not, so I didn't lie, but I withheld actual truth probably from somebody. And that's mm -hmm. sort of a lie, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, <clears throat> so back in the early 1999, 2000, I sold cars for a little bit. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, All right. Because this, yeah. this is what I've been thinking about the whole time is car salesmen. Yeah, right. I mean, and it's like, Everyone knows this game's going on on both sides of the table. Oh right? yeah! And so one of our one of the cliches was buyers are liars. Buyers are liars. So people would come in. Oh yeah, my car's in great shape. And I know the cliches about the car salesman are true too. Okay? Wait a second, you're giving uh, you're pulling back the curtain and telling yes, us what car uh, salesmen say about us. Yes, <laughs> I'm telling you what car salesmen say. What about a you bonus! Guys. This is I know, great. This is huge. So buyers are liars. Everyone knows it. And then you come in, oh, my car, it's good. You know, and this is the time I think you could still actually spin back your, uh, your odometer and all that oh, stuff, too. Oh, wow. I mean, so we oh. had to look for that kind of stuff. It was crazy. But, yeah, and, and then, but, you know, I've been on the other side. I've been the buyer, and I could tell you how long, so I won't. But um, Valor, Valerie will laugh if she hears this podcast because she'll remember it, where we went to trade in this, this old beat-up van. <laughs> And we got way more than it was worth because I knew the game, <laughs> you know. And and so, um, but yeah, you know, I almost felt like, well, I I would be, I would be not not a good steward of my finances if I didn't try to, you know, mm. play the game mm. almost, you know, mm. as opposed to just saying this car is a piece of junk and it's not worth uh, the tires that rolled in, you know, it rolled in. Mm -hmm. So, mm. yeah, I just think some of it is so ingrained in how we do business and think through things, and yeah. Well, and here's a, the, your example is a good example of it is we also tell lies to ourselves. So it's not just about manipulating and half-truths for someone else, but we can, we can play games even with ourselves that we convince ourselves, no, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to not tell the truth in this situation. Here's why. Here's my justification yeah. for it. I didn't wear my Team Jesus day, that, you know, <laughs> a Team Jesus t-shirt when I went to trade that man in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Well, I you know we have these these Alpine our church shirts that I every once in a while I have to I'm interacting with a customer service person or I'm or mm. or I'm driving by somebody. This is why I don't have bumper stickers on my car because and this kind of leads to this last point is that that we have to remember that when we play the Pharisee game, we're diluting the promise of God. Because we're representatives of God, we're representatives of the. We've already called him the ultimate promise keeper, the ultimate oath keeper, and yet we're supposed to be little Christs running around representing Jesus to the world around him. That, that that's the Jesus way. Is is Jesus lived this way, and he said, "This is the way I want you to live." And now, if we don't live that, if we're not, if we're not faithful and reliable and people of integrity, then what? How does that reflect? For the watching world, how does that reflect on the God who we're claiming is a promise keeper? Yeah, and, and certainly, just to be clear, and I know you don't mean this, Brian, but we could never dilute God's promises in any way, shape, or form, but we can certainly dilute our effectiveness right. to mm -hmm. convey his promises right. to someone else. And yeah, that, that's a, a very serious thing. And I think that's why, you know, that, that story 
around the whole gasoline thing, I, I think that's why it brought conviction to me because I'm thinking at the time I was in ministry, and I'm thinking, well, what if this guy, you know, were to walk through the, the front doors of our church and be like, oh, yeah, you're the guy that, you know, walked out of here with 20 gallons of gas for, you know, $2.50 or whatever it came mm-hmm. to, you know. So, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. What promise, I think it's helpful maybe to finish this off by by sharing the promise that, that God made. What are we talking about when we say that God is the ultimate promise keeper? Well, God, well, God makes a lot of important promises to us, but, um, you know, to his people, he promises to save them. He promises to never turn away anyone who comes to him, that he draws to them, to himself. He'll always uh, receive us and welcome us. He promises to make us his children when we respond in faith. And so God's greatest promises are his ultimate promises, that when we rely on him, that we will have be forgiven of our sins, that we will have eternal life. And that's something we can count on um, better than any human contract or any promise from government or any anybody who sold us something or any, even the best people. God says, look, I, I will deliver you. Um, it's a, it's a done deal as soon as we um, trust in him. Hebrews six eighteen says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Verse 19 says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He's become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So this is what the author of Hebrews is saying, is that God is uh, is this promise keeper. And we can look at all through Scripture. We love Scripture, but we look all through Scripture, and we trace his promise, that thread, that red thread mm-hmm. of, of the gospel all through Scripture. And all along the way, God... And there's so many, more, so much more we could say about this, but God was just saying, I've got something for you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free. And he did all that through Jesus Christ for those who would trust in him for salvation. And then when, when we trust in him, we don't have to wonder if he's going to deliver on that tackle box. Right? <laughs> right, John? Right. Yeah, right. We know that he's not going to leave us hanging. He's not going to, he's not going to leave us wondering when, you know, going to the mail every day to see if it's going to come. That that promise is there for us. It's it's for the taking, and he wants to offer it to us, every one of us. Mm. And it goes, and it even goes beyond that um, from just his promise to to rescue us, but uh, his promise to give us purpose as well. Mm. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, um, for we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, to God, for he made him, Christ, to be sin that we may become, for us, that we may become the righteous of God in him. And so God gives us, um, I mean, that kind of covers everything we're talking about, right? I mean, he, mm-hmm. he rescues us, uh, he gives us his purpose that we would be his ambassadors, and then he promises to do the work within us to uh, help us not, uh, uh, to, that we would represent him in a way uh, that is um, worthy of who he is. That's good. Well, to talk about God's promises and being a promise keeper and all of these six antitheses, you can check all of it out at PursueGod.org to talk about it with your family, with your small group, or your mentor, PursueGod.org forward slash 
Jesus way. This is lesson number four. Make sure to join us next week for the podcast. We're going to jump into the fifth of six antitheses, and we hope to see you then.